Thank you for tuning into Dino Insights. In this episode, Mike and Chris will be discussing AC dynamometers. Let's dig in. What do we got on topic for today? I think today we'll talk about AC dynos. Good topic. So, as we start off, tell me a bit about what you know about ACs and why why is it called an AC dyno? Yeah, so I've been using AC dynamometers probably for the past 30 years, but they have evolved. So, AC dynos were originally DC dynos. They were direct current dynos, and they had a lot of complexity with the maintenance on it, but they so, evolved. So, just to interject. Yeah. It's all about AC and DC. So is this just really an electric motor running backwards in principle? That we're in, drive, in th- we're using theory. it? Yeah, in theory. I, I think it, it is an electric motor, and it's how it's utilized. So an electric motor typically is just something that spins. Yeah. Right? You pow- put power to it, and it spins. It uses, it uses power to spin. But with a dynamometer situation, you're spinning, but you're also absorbing power from whatever's connected to it. That's the principle of a difference between an electric motor and electric motor used in a dynamometer as a dynamometer. You have to absorb the power. So used as a it's effectively a generator that's resisting the prime mover, the test unit, and uh, using the generating to slow slow the test unit down. Exactly. But with more sophisticated control? Exactly. So when you look at you know if you if you look at any electric motor You've got a cable going into it, and you plug it into a power source. With a dynamometer and an AC application dynamometer, you've got a two devices devices you use. One is the um, drive unit, which powers it, but it's not just power. It has control, sophisticated controls built into it, and software algorithms that go into it. That's one part of an AC. The other part of it is you have to absorb the power, so you either have to put it back to the grid the electrical grid and your public services, or you have to burn the power or absorb the power through a large resistor. Or store it in a battery, I presume. Or store it in a battery. You have various sources you can put the electricity. You can move the electricity away from the dyno by via source. You can store it or, gen- or, or put it back in the grid, as you say. Exactly. So these are sometimes referred to as electric motor dynos because of that background. Because mm-hmm. of the okay, yeah, yeah. And where do you see these used on the most part? So I think from all the dynamometers that we've spoke about, the ACs have the widest range of applications, <clears throat> just because of its capabilities, right? So you've got three dynamometers, two which absorb only, and one that does both, which is the AC motor application. So you see them used in industries ranging from. Small, significantly small motors, such as a a motor for a, a hair dryer, they actually dyno test those motors, those small little motors, all the way up through diesel combustion diesel applications, high horsepower. But it does have limitations too, and I guess that's what when we have our discussions, that's what we're driving towards, talking about its advantages and disadvantages. Right, right. right. So the advantages seem to be flexibility from what you just described. Absolutely. Running a whole series of different tests from emissions to fuel economy to performance development. It seems pretty uh, wide-ranging. Yep, yep. And again, like all dynamometers, they have their strengths and weaknesses. So when you look at its capabilities, it's the dynamic performance that really shines. 
It's the ability to switch between absorbing and motoring running a test cycle, a specific test cycle for what you're testing. So while it does have the dynamic performance, it also has limitations. And some of the limitations that we can talk more in detail about is the ability to only go so fast at a certain power. So the higher power range that you have, the slower the capability is reduced from an RPM perspective. You can't spin as fast at higher horsepower. There are not electric motors of that size. So it leads to the questions of typically what industries do you see it in, which is you'll see it heavily used in automotive. There, it is in the diesel side, some of the off-highway stuff, because when I say that, they have government, we have, they have to run government emissions test, base test. And those tests right. specifically require a motoring dynamometer to, to utilize. And this is quite a high response unit, so it can it can do the sort of on on road testing and do the be responsive enough to replicate a road condition. Yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. I think the coolest part of it, it all that people sometimes may not realize is that with a motor, you've got typically with a motor you've got a hundred percent torque at zero RPM. So it can put load on straight away without that's right any re- any delay. There basically is no torque curve from that extent from zero RPM. It's almost a, a straight line. But runs out as the speed gets to a certain point. It, it can only provide that torque resistance up to a point. Correct. Okay. Correct. So from a standpoint of torque, response time, where you see it used, and you were starting to go down that path, Chris, emissions, standard emissions testing for the automotive engine or diesel engine, You'll see ACs heavily used in that because it's really the only dynamometer that can be utilized. You'll see it used in dynamic applications where, uh, Chris, with your racing experience, you know, simulating a Formula One race car is another application because right. because it's used. Multiple dynamometers can be used in applications like that. And you running sort of overrun and, and running deceleration characteristics and things like that. It means you can motor and and absorb you would switch between the two very quickly. Right. But, Mike, what you're sort of saying is that the AC dyno does does everything. So there must be a downside as well. There is. And like I said, I touched on it a little bit. You know, the, the downsides of AC dynamometers are, although their prices come down, they're still an expensive option. So the only time that you'd want to move over to an AC dynamometer is if, you couldn't run a test and you were required to run a test that requires it. That's one reason. But the down, the, that's one of the downsides. The other downside is there's quite a bit of electrical infrastructure associated with it. And typically a facilities, facilities, normal facilities that you move into don't have the high power requirements that are necessary to meet the AC. So you have to bring in additional power. You may have to set some transformers up to bring in this additional power to be able to run multiple AC dynamometers. You may get away with one if it's small enough, but typically the electrical infrastructure is too small. I presume there's still a cooling requirement given we're dissipating quite a bit of energy here. Yeah, that's a, that's another important factor. So it, it depends on the city regulations or township regulations, wherever you're trying to install this AC application, whether you burn it or you store it in a battery, or you try to put it back to the electrical grid for the electrical uh, company. And typically that's sometimes dictated, it is dictated actually by the township or city of whether you can do that or not first and what's required. And that can become quite expensive. And it becomes limiting 
a limiting factor sometimes because if you hook up to the grid, they have the ability to shut you down without notification. So you could be running, they turn the power off. You can't regenerate power. So if this is, there's some infrastructure requirements, but what about the sort of the surroundings? Um, do you see these as noisy machines compared to, for example, water breaks or or AGs? Yeah, when we talk about noise, I assume you're referring to not audible noise, but more electrical noise interference. Really a combination of both. You've still got a big rotor spinning in the in the machine. Yeah, so I think from a, a physical sound perspective, I don't think is as as a detriment as the noise perspective would maybe be considered. Okay. Because the toughest thing in the test cell is when you in, when you get electrical noise or interference or signals that are dropping in or out or not reading correctly, it can be extremely difficult to identify and then just as difficult to, to eliminate. Well, that's interesting. So we've talked about quite a, a broad range of applications there. What would you say is the sort of one of the more unique applications of, of an AC? I think what we touched on when we started going down the path of from the, from the race industry mm. industry perspective, because if you if you think about it, when you watch a when you're watching Formula One or NASCAR, you're seeing the vehicles go down a set course. So as the vehicle's driving around the track, you know the inner wheel is spinning at a different rate than the outer wheels, and there's different forces being played or placed upon each wheel. And with an AC dynamometer, where I've seen powertrains set up where there's a AC dynamometer on each wheel. And there's actually an AC motor that's simulating the engine in the vehicle. So you have it all contained in a test cell without actually having the vehicle there. So you can simulate all the, the dynamic loads that the race car would see going into a curve, coming out of a curve, accelerating in, deceleration. All those things can be input into the control system for an AC dynamometer to simulate what the track, what the, what the driver actually sees on the track with the vehicle that he's racing. That's putting quite a bit of complexity into both the control and, and I suppose, the dynamics of the AC driveline to yeah. be able to, to respond that quickly. Yeah, and I think this is where it's bridging the gap in, a, bridging the gap in, in regards to software, right? So with, with eddy current dynamometers and water brake dynamometers, the software isn't as complex or dynamic as an AC motor because of what goes into it, what you're asking it to do. So there's a lot of work on the algorithm side of it. There's a lot of work on the overall software that goes into having that type of control. Okay. Now, we've talked previously about the water breaks. We talked about the extremes of very high torque and low speed or vice versa, very high speed, high power applications. Do you see the ACs getting into those areas as well? I do. I, I think it's the natural transition for AC motor applications. But at, but at present, we have we have turboshaft engines spinning at up to 30,000 RPM. Mm -hmm. That sounds, from my knowledge so far, quite fast for an AC motor. It is. You're absolutely correct. The speed versus power ratio is not the forte in the aerospace industry of an AC motor at this given point in time. It's not the application that fits an AC dynamometer application. I will say, though, based upon the industry and all of the companies, the larger companies developing electric motor powertrains, including aerospace, that the need for a matching AC dynamometer to test that is going to be required. So that envelope is, is sort of stretching both in speed and power from the ACs. Yeah, yeah. 
high speed, high power, low speed, high power, high torque is the weaker areas of the AC dynamometer. So okay. I, do, I do see them go, trending in that direction uh, just based upon the technology from the powertrains in the various industries that it's driving the need for that. And you said earlier that the these are relatively expensive at the moment for a given sort of performance level. So in the future, do you see that changing as well? I mean, there's all this stretching the capability. Do you think the more standard machines will will change, will reduce in cost? Yeah, I think they'll continue to go down in price. You know, if starting off, and you use for an example, back in the day, when I say back in the day, say go, go back 20 years. So to buy an AC motor with a drive in the 250 horsepower category was probably a half a million dollars. Mm. And today, dependent upon the features, the options, you can get a 250 horsepower AC dynamometer combination drive system for half that. That's quite a big change. So mm-hmm. you, you expect that trend will continue? I do. I do. Because there's more companies getting involved with it. There's a um, there's a ton of motor manufacturers. There's a ton of drive manufacturers. And the more people that get into it, it's going to be competitive, more competitive. So it's going to continue to drive the prices down. Okay. So it seems like in terms of the future, it's a, it's a good option in terms of flexibility, capacity to, to, to stretch to different applications. Yeah. If, if I had a test facility that I was contemplating on building, obviously I'd, there's a thousand questions that go with it but I'd want to make it as flexible as possible. So if that is the case and the AC fit the performance range, then I would push to get that because that would give me the most diverse capability for now and into the future. Hmm, That's an interesting way to to summarize it. So it seems like you have a machine which has uh, very good transient capabilities good performance and speed range, um, but perhaps not reaching the specialized areas that some of the water brakes achieve today. That's correct. You know, you look at the technology and how long they've been around for the various dynamometers, and even with the water brake being around for over 100 years, it still operates in a market that others can't compete. Right. Still can't get to some of those extremes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you for that introduction to the, uh, the AC dyno. You're welcome. And a good discussion today. I think next time we need to talk about those thousand questions around uh, the setting up of a test cell. Yeah, maybe and look at some of the choices we make. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds more reasonable. Perhaps. Sounds good, Chris. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Dino Insights presented by Fruid. If there are any engine testing topics you would like us to discuss, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at fruitdino.com.